Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, more on our conversation about resetting the coverage of politics in this country. CGR's new print magazine is all about a new way to think about political coverage after Trump and Biden now, and how do we how do we do this better? Um, last week, we talked about the Wall Street Journal and how it's navigated all of this sort of unsuccessfully. This week, we pick up with another piece in the magazine, a profile of Mehdi Hassan, who's on MSNBC and the Peacock Streaming Network. The writer of that is John Alsop, who is also the writer of our daily email newsletter, The Media Today. I'm thrilled to welcome John back to the kicker. Hello, John. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been a while, all of two weeks. John, why why were you interested in Mehdi Hassan? What was what did you find fascinating about him? Yeah, so obviously I am uh, British, as you can hear from the accent, um, and and so is he. Although he is now uh, now, now an American citizen um, as well. So yeah, so obviously I'd followed his career for quite a long time, and he was someone who was just kind of starting out as a commentator when I was becoming. I don't know if becoming politically conscious is the right way of putting it, but like sort of really developing like a strong interest in politics. So when I was sort of at the end of like high school in England uh, and then just kind of starting out at university, that that was kind of around the time that he was becoming a big deal writing um, about kind of progressive politics and just politics in general for the new statesman, which is um, kind of like the nation in the UK context. Uh, And also he, he would appear a bunch of times on like, these panel shows on the BBC or or whatever as sort of a talking head. I remember finding him to be kind of, even then in the British context, sort of an an outlier um, in the sense that he was like, like sort of fiercely articulate and very strongly progressive in a way that wasn't really true of lots of other people who would be on these shows. And I think now, just as a quick side note, like the, the, the political discourse here has sort of widened a little bit. And so I don't think someone like him would be exceptional in the same way today. But at the time, I think he, he kind of stood out to me. So, yeah, so, so he's always been someone that I've been familiar with. In your, in your piece, he, he, he notes and complains that he was kind of tokenized even, right? Where people would have him on as, as a kind of, as a, as a Muslim who could talk for the whole community, right? Yeah, I think definitely that's that's uh, true and is another part of it. Um, he sort of obviously, I think, came of age journalistically at a time when, um, you know, Islam and also sort of the, the global Muslim community was like a huge story in the wake of 9-11 and then, and then the wars in the Middle East. Um, and yeah, no, he, and he told me that um, he uh, sort of actually uh, right around the time that 9-11 happened, had been working as a producer um, sort of behind the scenes producer on a British uh, TV show and his bosses have kind of said to him you know you need to find us some quote-unquote great Muslim guests and, and, and many would say like he didn't you know it was hard to kind of find people who fit that description um, and I think he then came full circle to kind of be the, that type of voice that the other producers would would kind of ask to come on um, and he sort of told me you know he, he didn't always enjoy doing it but he felt an obligation to do it um, so that so there was that I think when I you know earlier when I was saying he was kind of um, an exceptional voice. It wasn't just because of that, but but I think just because he was probably uh, to the left of other of other people, you would hear at that time uh, sort of regularly appear in mainstream kind of fora. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so anyway, he's been. He, I sort of found him interesting for that whole time because of that. But then um, followed his career as it kind of became more global. Uh, obviously, he was at Al Jazeera where he did these sort of quite 
buzzy viral interviews um tore apart eric prince for example the the founder of blackwater and, and kind of trump world crony um and yeah and I, I was at the intercept and i sort of followed his work there i didn't really think you know a huge amount about it just sort of thought it was vaguely interesting that he jumped from the uk to the us and didn't know too much about that transition but then but then he started popping up on msnbc sort of first as a guest and then as a guest host i think he, he sort of started standing in for for Chris Hayes. Um, and then he got this permanent show on Peacock, which is which is the NBC Universal streaming service um, towards the back end of last year. And then he got an MSNBC show earlier this year. So someone who seems to be rising like really quickly through the ranks of, um, of MSNBC, which I found super interesting because he's not the sort of voice you would typically find on cable news and, and on MSNBC in particular. Um, I think he is I would argue probably to the left ideologically, although these things are obviously complicated and contentious to measure, but I think he probably is to the left ideologically of anyone else who's like a regular host on MSNBC or sort of an affiliated channel. Um, And yeah, and and furthermore, he has this kind of interviewing style, which is extremely kind of um, contentious and combative, um, which he, yeah, which he became known for Al Jazeera, as I just said, with kind of the Prince exchange and stuff like that. But but really on, on US TV, you don't see people doing interviews like this. Over here, it's very much a British kind of like thing to do interviews like that. Um, yeah, so I think I think the other thing about him just quickly also is he, he's been ferociously critical of the media, including like, and especially cable news um, for sort of normalizing Trump and for being yeah. complacent and, and, you know, for all the things that we criticize it for all the time. So I guess, yeah, in some, it just kind of like this guy who I sort of followed since I was a teenager suddenly popped up in this like, milieu where he was really doing something different and i guess yeah i guess that was sort of the beginning of my interest in him which which then would blossom into this into this profile that i wrote why why do you think that style of interviewing you're talking about this super you know aggressive persistent you know where you'll ask the same question over and over again if somebody doesn't answer the kind of dismissal like like one of the things that he does and i another really tough uh, interviews in the UK do, they just dismiss people immediately if they start yammering on and it's not answering the question mm-hmm. or it's irrelevant. They say, yeah, well, whatever, let's move on. You're clearly not to answer the question. Why do you think um, that hasn't caught on here? Is it is it just baked into this sort of like uh, the, the way we talk in general? Or is there something about cable in the US that hasn't sort of, you know, hasn't made that, an atmosphere for that style of interviewing yeah it's a super interesting question to think about and i don't know if there is like one definitive answer um i mean Meggie's view is that basically um or part of his view is that that there is this kind of deep-seated culture of deference in the u.s so like uh, you know, points that he'll usually make are that, you know, reporters will stand up when the president enters the room and like after the president leaves office, they're still the president. They get to keep their job title, um, which we don't really do. We don't really do any of that here. Um, and it, which I think is like, I think he's right. But I think it's also totally interesting, given that the sort of like, you know, the American political culture, uh, culture sorry, is rooted in um, rejection of like British authority. Right. Um, and whereas we like still have the queen and stuff here. And yet, and yet, like, I do, I do think you have sort of a more, like, deferential media culture in America. So I think that's part of it. I would argue also that I think a big part of it is just the source of people who traditionally have got cable news shows are insiders, right? Or at least, like, when they get a cable news show, very often these people become the elite. 
Um, and so I would argue, without wishing to sound conspiratorial about it, you know, unduly, um, that, that basically you just get people who are all like powerful and all kind of like, you know, marinate in the same part of sort of Washington chumminess. Um, and so, yeah, and so these interviews sort of. I mean, ahead. he, I think it's also, I think it's also baked into the education system. I mean, he went to Oxford, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that there is a kind of a debate method taught in school that you do, kids here just don't get. I don't know. That's a, that's a theory of mine. But you know, yeah, well, it's not. Now that we're talking about this, mm. the person who is most like him and tell me what you think about this theory, and it's not in your piece, and I just it just came to mind, is Tucker Carlson. In in, in what sense? Just in, in, in this kind of no-holds-barred style and willing to sort of like say, I mean, and it's an uncomfortable comparison because he's like, he's basically, you know, full of nonsense. Um, and so, so content-wise... Um, they're nothing alike. And content-wise, Tucker is a kind of fabulist. But his style is sort of similar. Yeah, I, I think I'd be that, wary of... No, no, no. I think, I think I'd be wary of overstretching the comparison. Um, but I think there is a certain kind of like sensibility, albeit kind of used for bad in, in Tucker Carlson's case, as you identified. But yeah, I, I kind yeah. of can see where you're coming from, certainly. I would say, I think to your previous point about debate um that yeah it's it's not like you know in the uk we everyone gets taught kind of formal debating methods in in school um but yes if you sort of have a kind of a high level elite education and sort of end up at oxford that is something that's available to you and and there is that that culture of debate which is i think also like very closely tied to our parliamentary style of government as well right i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of blueprint for it whereas you guys have a more supposedly a more consensual political system so if you're going to get really kind of like high level about it i think that probably i think that probably does trickle down into into media culture and obviously i'm not like referring to all and every u.s interviewer here some of them have done tough interviews in the past and continue to do so i think we've seen probably an improvement as the trump era has worn on um and you did eventually see you know jonathan swan doing a tough interview with Trump, which I think he just won an Emmy for. Um, Chris Wallace did a, a pretty tough interview with Trump. I mean, I have to say, being British, that like after these interviews, when everyone on Twitter, media Twitter, was saying, "Oh, these were so tough, these interviews." Like, well done to these interviewers. I mean, yeah, they were good interviews. In, I don't think in Britain you would have really considered either of those to be exceptional interviews, to be honest. Um, but but yes, it does. It does. It, you know, I think there is uh, something of a convergence between those between the two countries' styles when it comes to that. Um, I, I would argue that Medi's kind of uh, rise has probably been a testament to that convergence to some extent. But yeah, but so often you still get interviews with with politicians where they're just asked like to explain stuff, basically, like they're pundits, like, oh, what do you think will happen with this thing that you're involved with? Like, what do you think is going to happen with this legislation? Like, these, you know, these people are in power. They should be held to account when they do interviews. And then it's not having them on to kind yeah. of interview them about their opinions about stuff. It's not accountability journalism. There's something kind of, um, I, I find there's something passive aggressive about these interviews in the U.S. where, you know, the, the setup will be like, oh, we, you know, th- there's a lot of tough thing questions that need to be put to this person. Blah, blah, blah. And then the interview happens and it's, you know, as you say, it's it's tough, but it's largely polite. And then the kind of spin on it afterwards gets back to the sort of super aggressive, like we really, we really held the feet to the fire. And, and uh, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, it, it's. I, I don't, I don't think it has to be these interviews that people hold up. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it has to be rude, rude, the style. You know, like, it, Mehdi is polite to people he has on his show. It's just, it's just like, being very insistent, right? And when they when they follow up with an answer that's blatantly false, or or they just don't answer the question, it's about kind of cutting that off and saying, no, answer the question, or, you know, that's actually not true, and I've done my preparation, so I can tell you that that's not true. Here is what is true. Can you address that? Um, yeah, and it is, um, yeah, I don't think it has to be sort of, yeah, but when I say it's confrontational, I don't, I don't think, I don't mean it's sort of like aggressive in a, in a nasty way. There is a way to do this, to do this in, in a way that's sort of polite and cordial, but also the actual questions contain sort of like, you know, are real questions. Um, and I just think too many interviews that you see on, on US TV are just not like that. Let me ask you uh, about this thing that you brought up about um, him being a progressive uh, a rare progressive voice in media. There was a, um, um, you and I both talked about this. There was a uh, TV segment <clears throat> this week that talked about your piece uh, and took issue with this notion that, that he's a rare progressive voice in media. And this person was on TV saying, well, everybody in TV is liberal. And how can the Columbia Journalism Review say this? And, um, but how do you think about that, about, about where he fits on the kind of political spectrum versus everybody else on tv especially on msnbc and and cnn yeah well i mean first of all clearly i do not think that there is a deficit of liberals on american tv there are loads um like msnbc's entire roster uh, you'd be fair to call cnn uh hosts uh, using the same word i think um so yeah it just basically comes down to language and i think this is this is also a point that you and i discussed um that American political journalism doesn't really have very good language still to discuss people on the left and the kind of ideological gradations between different types of Democrat or different types of like person on the left, right? I mean, like there are lots of people on the left who are not liberals in, in any meaningful sense of that term and would not self-define as liberals and would indeed use the word liberal as a kind of, um, <laughs> you know, they, they would sort of use it as a, as a derisory term for people with whom they disagreed. Um and so, and yet you do, and this is a bit of an aside, but like, for instance, we're talking, you know, the day after um, Dem the House Democrats had to postpone their vote on the infrastructure bill. Uh, and then the coverage in both the Times and the Post, I noticed this morning said there had been like a liberal revolt against this, when actually what they mean is sort of the people on the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party revolted against it. I mean, those people are liberals, I think, in almost every case, but like you also probably could define the people who are the Democrats who are dragging their feet on this legislation as liberals as well. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me to be a useful word for describing what those people who um, want, want more from the legislation have in common versus the people who are kind of like, let's pass the infrastructure bill and, and then deal with the um, deal with the kind of bigger package later or, or maybe trim down the bigger package. So, so yeah, um, I think all of that is to say that there is a problem with, with language here. And I think progressive is a word that, can mean, you know, multiple different things and it's sort of hard to define. But yes, if you take progressive to mean what I think it has come to mean within the kind of current US political discourse, i.e. sort of people who, who sort of lean towards the democratic side of things and are more on the left of that than than sort of traditional Democrats. So the kind of Bernie Sanders AOC wing. Um, I think that those people are rare on American TV. It's not to say there are none, um, but, but I think that like, Clearly, I mean, look, I mean, Bernie Sanders during the last presidential primary was furious by MSNBC. Him and his staff um, confronted uh, MSNBC management saying, you know, your hosts are basically really anti 
Bernie, um, you're not giving him a fair shake, you're kind of representing the democratic establishment. Um, now, obviously, politicians will always gripe about coverage to some extent. But but I think basically, that was, that was correct, there, there was kind of a deficit of, of kind of, not necessarily pro Bernie, but voices from his kind of ideological wing of the Democratic Party represented on, on that network. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Medi is in the ta- tank for Bernie Sanders or anything like that. But he clearly has views that reflect, like, to a greater extent, that side of the of the left than like Hillary Clinton or, or where Joe Biden has traditionally sat side of things. Um, yeah. And I think those voices are rare in terms of being like actual hosts of shows who are on all the time, not just guests who are kind of brought on from time to time to establish like some sense that, Oh yeah, we are actually trying to include these people. Um, yeah. And I think, and I think it is kind of interesting and an outlier um, that Medi has risen up. Um, yeah, at, at a network that does have a history, I think, of of having lots of liberal voices, um, you know, anti-Trump, pro-Democrat, pro-Clinton, pro-Biden, however you want to define it, but but actually does have a history of, of I think, not taking, um, you know, not having as many people who represent views to the left of that. Medi very clearly does does represent those views. Well, it's a great profile. Thank you. You can read the rest of CJR's new print magazine, which is called Reset, which is all about new ways of covering politics. It's on our website and available to subscribers in print. And you can follow John's work every morning on the Media Today newsletter, as well as on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. See you next time.